0: to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at LuckyMojo.com. I'm your announcer, Troll Towelhead, of SatanService.org, and just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman Manali of TheConjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined... ...by a special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers... ...Lara Rivera of Cheshire House RI on Facebook and Providence... ...bringing us today's topic on Spirit Connection, Part 1, Ancestors. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate... ...your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection... ...using traditional African American folk practices... Of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment. But first, let's cut catch up with our co hosts, Miss Cat and Conjurman Ollie. Miss Kat? <laughs>
1: Papa Newt, you are not. (laughs) Well, um, our lovely board op today is my lovely husband, um, whose voice is so familiar to me, but it's not Papa Newt's voice. Papa Newt is off for a a week or two, and um, those of you who know him know he's been very public about it in his Facebook profile. Um, Papa Newt had a Uh, It's the craziest thing. He has a bent screw in his toe. He had some surgery, and it involved putting a screw in his toe. And then somehow he stepped funny, and the screw got bent. So they have to take the screw out and put a new screw in. (laughs) So we're all uh, rooting for Papa Noon. He came through the surgery just fine, and he is now at home uh, resting and recuperating, and as he put it, on the good drugs um, while his toe heals. So our blessings, love, prayers, and hopes go to Papa Newt. We miss you already, buddy. <laughs> <This> is,
2: <laughs>
1: it's amateur night in Dixie. Um, all right. But I, lo- I love you, Nagashiva. Thank you. Um, so things here at the Lucky Mojo shop are hopping and popping, and it's just as crazy as can be. With beautiful sunny weather, and we have... Um, I was I was going to give the big announcement. Hey, we've got two new employees, but hey, now we've got three new employees, (laughs) just in the time it took me to go down and work at the shop this morning. Um, Number one is um, Summer, and Summer is coming to us for two days a week. She is an experienced herbologist. She has um, she's a Burning Man participant, Cacophony Society participant. Absolutely wonderful uh, gal, knows a lot. I wish I could have her five days a week because she's fun, but she is bagging herbs, and um, she's also doing um, helping me with the herb storage situation. And um, she also brought in huge pickle jars full. I mean, I'm talking like the big gallon pickle jar, pickle jars. I mean, the big gallon ones filled with rose petals and jars filled with calendula flowers and and she brought in uh, like ten pounds of comfrey root. I mean, this lady knows what she's doing. So we are very pleased to welcome Summer to our, our team. Then we, we have Steve. Steve is brand new also. Steve is um, um, a a sculptor, a goldsmith, a jeweler, silversmith, um, a spiritual practitioner. As he said, perhaps I'm an anthropologist, which is probably a good description of Steve. And Steve also does, because he does sculpture, he said, you know, I'd like to work on the train layout for a while until you get that together. But in exchange, I have to be out there on the train layout with him, and then he can ask me random Steve questions, like what's the difference between a jack ball and a mojo? And then Angela and I can just pop in and tell him. And so while he's picking up leaves, we're giving him um some training in hoodoo. He knows an awful lot about all different kinds of magic. He's he's studied I think pretty much every much mag- every magical system from every different socio-cultural and uh, religious and ethnic tradition. But um he loves blues music. He's a DJ. He has a very deep voice and um and he's a a wonderful guy working one day a week. He has another job um at a conference center where um and he's a uh, jack of all trades gardener groom grooming the plants it's a beautiful conference center down in Marin County. Number 3. I mentioned Angela. Angela is back. Um well she never left. I tell you the truth. If you missed her you were you were prematurely missing her. Angela Marie Horner, member of Air, has um been doing uh root work for years and years. She's been working at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company for years. And as time went by, she began to shorten her hours and take more private clients. And she decided that uh, she would cut herself down to one day working in the shop, just Sunday, and then she would um, the rest of the time she was going to work out of her home. Well, she's done a lot of contractor work for us. She makes almost all our mojos and things like that. But today she said to me, do you think I could pick up another day or two? And I said, why not pick up five days? And she said, nine to five. And I said, nine to five, do you want to come back? So Angela is back on the um, regular hours. And that means those of you... Yeah, yeah, you didn't even know
0: this, did you? No, it's news to me. <laughs> it's news. I know. <laughs>
1: now, this just happened, man. This happened as I was on my way up to do the radio show. And I said, we are so happy to have you back. By the way, Angela's daughter, Rowena, works for us, too. So, But Angela's also extra added value. Um, she offers readings here um, at the shop, you know, I think Friday, Saturday, Uh, Sunday she does readings but she's also a certified massage therapist and uh, we're about halfway to convincing her to bring her massage equipment and offer therapeutic massages at the shop okay I heard someone raise their hand someone said yes (laughs) and we all know who that might be it might be me but there's going to be others too I know so that's the news from the Lucky Mojo. Tremendous pile of great good news today. and uh, mm, Lots of good we news. Are, yeah, lots of good news. And uh, so we've been short-staffed for a while. The other news is if you ordered candles from us and wondered what happened, no, the candles have not yet come from Mexico. The candles are now being made in Mexico, not L.A. Trump has done his Border Patrol Madness, and all of the candles are in Mexico. Tough. <laughs> Tough, mm. <laughs> Tough mm. on us. Uh, the candles may be here on Monday. So if you ordered a candle and were told, sorry, we ordered these candles like six weeks ago, and they're not here, we hope they will be here on Monday and um, then we will have a fun time trying to get all the candles sewed away and get everybody's candles dressed. We're going to be working overtime. That's the news from Lucky Mojo. Now, turning it over to you, Countryman Ali, what's new with you?
3: Oh, well, you know, be busy as, as usual. I've actually been doing a, a lot of uh, court case work the past couple of weeks, um, and and some of it has been, uh, you know, really long-term work. It's, it's going to be work that's going to Go on for some months, as you can attest, and as I'm sure Laura can as well. Uh, court case work is, is generally some of the more long-term work that we undertake just because of the nature of, of court cases and, and legal matters. Uh, and sometimes they can have kind of an easy and quick resolution, and but more often than not, they take a while. And I knew root workers growing up who would have uh, honey jars on court case that would just be covered in wax because of how many candles they would burn on it but also for how long they had that uh, honey jar going for months upon months upon months, sometimes even years. Uh, So we've been doing some of that work, and we're getting some really good uh, results so far. Uh, One, we've already kind of moved towards a settlement, which is what we were looking for. So happy to report that. That's exciting. Uh, And the other one, it looks like we're going to be in it for a bit of a long haul. Um, But I'm, I'm pretty optimistic in that regard, I do want to just take a quick moment and and to get political real quickly on uh, here uh, at the risk of making everything political, but I think it is important to highlight that we we are kind of uh, you know this weekend in particular between the images of the con- you know the internment slash concentration camps on the border that are coming out, uh, the image of of, of you know a blazer wearing white dudes politicians standing over. Uh, cages of, of brown-skinned dudes, brown-skinned men who have been uh, you know, forced into these cages uh, inhumane conditions. That's going to stick with us for for ages to come in the same way that uh, Japanese internment camps did here in the United States, uh, as well as um, uh, the reports of, of, of ice raids that are happening today. So if you're a root worker, uh, remember that you work for a community. Uh, if you are a spiritual worker and you're You don't have a community. You're cosplaying online is what you're doing. So find yourself a community. Work for the people. Light some candles. Say some prayers. Uh, Be the light in the darkness that is uh, this weird, crazy political moment that we're living in. So just a quick little PSA that I wanted to uh, throw out there.
1: You know, you're so right. Find a community and help out. And that does include political work, and I would also add ecological work, oh, um, yeah. um, work for uh, the good of the planet, work for the good of the people. Mm-hmm. This is, mm-hmm. a, you know, you're right. Otherwise, it's just cosplay. And um, yeah. that was that was lovely, Molly. I agree with that 100%. Well, um, today we have as our guest, Lara Rivera from Cheshire House in Providence, Rhode Island. And Cheshire House is called Cheshire House, for those of you who are wondering, not after the cheese, okay? It's after the cat, (laughs) the Cheshire Cat in the Disney version of Alice in Wonderland that's two shades of pink. Um, Lara Rivera's house is, um, is, it's Cheshire House. It looks like the Cheshire Cat. It's this beautiful Edwardian, Victorian Edwardian house that... When she got it, when she bought it, it was two shades of pink, and she's left it that way. So Cheshire House is her community. She teaches, and she um, does root work for people, and she writes, and she's working on a book with me. And the book we're working on together is on Bottle, Jar, and Box spells, which comes off of and is based on a workshop that Lara gave many years ago, at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, so it was called Container Spells. And that was a very simply titled workshop that opened a lot of people's minds. And um, she's decided to expand that into a book. And because I've written some about Container Spells, too, she has graciously allowed me to co-write it with her. So we're mm. having a lot of fun. So welcome to the show, Lara Rivera.
3: Welcome, Lara
1: Quietness from the Lara world.
3: Maybe she's muted?
1: Uh, Maybe she's muted?
3: muted. I unmuted her.
1: Oh,
0: there we go. Oh, our not
1: Papa Papa, Papa (laughs) Newton
0: muted her. Uh, Right, okay. No, but she had to call back. (laughs) She's getting disconnected.
1: Oh, okay.
4: Hi, Lara. Uh,
3: Welcome, welcome. Thank you,
4: Pat. Thank you, Ollie. I'm so excited to be here. I had almost completely forgotten about the workshop until I was reading again on the forum, and Miss Free gave me a shout-out for the little red wax dollies in our mason jar. And I went, oh, wow, it was wonderful to see that there, and I'm excited to see what other things we put together. I love doing container self, and certainly I like doing it for case work, as you know, my, my parents are now retired judges, and so I do a lot of court case work myself, and they do
1: seem to go on
4: and on and on.
1: Well, it's, it's lovely to have you back in AIR. For those of you who are of short memory or young years, Lara was one of the founding members of AIR, and she was also... Uh, the founder with me and Nagashiva and a guy named Art um, who went by the name of Hal (laughs) of the Lucky Mojo Forum. So all of you who love the Lucky Mojo Forum, big round of applause for Lara. We could not have done it. We would not have done it. We wouldn't even have thought about it without her. And as a founding member of AIR, Lara also brought to form the AIR site which is um you know maintained by a, the tech team by all of us by a big collective crew of root workers but it was Lara who laid it out and made the design the style the interlinkages that started us off uh 10 years ago actually we started um in 2008 but it only went live in 2009 so 10 years of working oh, on that air the- site yeah. Well, as usual, we our guest brings a a topic and the topic is connecting with spirits and part 1. This is going to be a three-parter, three weeks in mm. a row. And just to let you know, I will be here for part 2, part 3, um I believe we'll have a different co-host. But um the spirit connection, part 1, ancestors. Now, I am going to, as I always do, give a brief introduction on the topic. So spirit connection, of course, means connecting to the world of spirits, and particularly individuated spirits, not, you know, like the whole heavenly hosts, but, you know, but to individual spirits. And ancestors are, for many people, both the easiest spirits to connect to and also the most fraught because not every ancestor has been good and some are bad. And But yet we owe our lives to our ancestors. Connecting with ancestors is one of the most natural things that many of us can do. One of the more, um, I guess you could say, characteristic uh, phases of African-American hoodoo is that as a descendant of African American of African, excuse me, African religious magical traditions. Mm-hmm. It places a greater emphasis on ancestors than many other magical traditions do. Some do, some don't. Mm-hmm. We're not going to we're not here to judge or to sift and weigh them. But If there was one thing that characterizes all African religions, no matter how many thousands of miles apart, no matter how different the language groups the people belong to, that would be ancestor veneration. Now, ancestor veneration is found around the world, and there are many who will claim it as their culture's heritage. But um, this is the one thing that carried over very strongly when Africans were enslaved and brought to the United States. They, No matter what culture in Africa they came from, they all had some form of ancestor veneration and Mm -hmm. therefore spoke a common religio-magical parlance on that. And this has entered into hoodoo, um, which is African American in origin. And there are people to whom this is unfamiliar. They come from a different culture, a culture that, you know, when you're dead, you're dead, or maybe you're going to be reborn and reincarnated, and you don't care about ancestors, you just care about who's reincarnating. Whatever um, cosmology you have, that's your com- cosmology. But um, it's a kind of a, a truism to say that ancestor veneration is always part of hoodoo. However, it's not always a religious factor in hoodoo. Uh, There are religions based around ancestor veneration, particularly the Mm Afro-Caribbean and African religions. Hoodoo, having become uh, primarily the magic of Christians, has had to deal with Christian attitudes toward the dead, which vary from African. And so you will find that different Christian denominations speak different uh, truths about what happens to the dead, and some say, "Oh, the dead sleep, and we never see them again. A lot of white Christian churches will say that we we won't see them again until the judgment, but um, even those sometimes the people within those churches say, Well, but I did dream of my grandfather in other words, there's a kind of a push pull with with that concept. Not all Christians do believe that though Christian spiritualists believe that you can communicate with your beloved dead. You can speak with your dead, name of an old, great old book on spiritualism. And so spiritualism became very popular with African-American Christians when it first appeared on the scene in the mid-19th century because it allowed them to not have to hide the interest in ancestor veneration. I've said my part. I'm turning it over to Lara.
2: Hmm.
4: I wanted to take a minute. Hi. Everybody? So, we can um, hear maybe you. Maybe. you. Speak
1: now. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry.
4: I wanted to take a minute to talk about the first ancestor spirit that I interacted with and how that went down because it was a really shocking experience for me as a brand-new practitioner. I had gotten to your chapter, 24, talking about ancestors, and I was all ready to make my connection with an ancestor. Um, But I kind of missed some of what was going on, and I wanted to talk to Aunt Caroline Dye. So in preparation for this, I went back, and I started listening to the blues and Hooter women to kind of, refresh my memory of that incident. And I had this long altar space that I had set up in my room, and it must have been 16 feet long. You know, so I was living in Texas, and we didn't do anything small down there. And I had set up my altar space with my cloth and my candles, and I had printed out a picture of an Caroline's eye. and I had lit two candles, and I had set some incense, and I set out a variety of choices. I set out whiskey, I set out water, set out coffee. I didn't know what she likes. And I got that big railroad spike that I had gotten early on. I stood up on my little stool in front of the altar. And I took my railroad spike, called to her, told her I needed help because I didn't know what I was doing. I really needed some guidance. And I banged on that altar space. Boom! boom, boom, and immediately I heard a resounding boom, boom, boom from the rest mm-hmm. of the house. I was so scared, I fell off my stool
2: <laughs> and was
4: just in, in, in a corner going, oh, my God, what just happened? And, of course, I tried to reason it out. I was like, well, that sounded maybe like that was the dryer and was that? The dog pulled the crock pot off the counter and and, did my daughter slam the door? Like, there's no way that that happened in that same synchronicity. So, I remember calling you, freaked out, about what had just happened and what do I do now? Because the last time I had an unfortunate encounter with my altar, I had set it on fire. So, (laughs) obviously, my introduction to uh, the Elements of working with ancestors, my own, finally, and and Caroline died. I never went on to someone Marie Laveau. I thought I had learned my lesson,
2: right? I was
1: right there.
4: <laughs>
2: well,
1: and, uh, that's, a, that's yeah. a very interesting. Can I just? I want to jump in here. That's a very interesting thing that you said because many people who who do not come from an ancestor veneration tradition will seek to call up the spirit of a well-known magician, root doctor, whatever it is, and are often surprised that they are available. And I just have to add here that Miss Michael also has had contact with Aunt Caroline Dye, and she is the pastor of Caroline Dye Memorial Chapel. So this is what we would call, Caroline Dye is what, one we would call an active spirit who will answer many people. Okay, anyway, go ahead.
4: It was quite an amazing experience for me.
1: Mm
2: -hmm.
4: My family apparently has a a history of mediumship, and I was not aware of that at the time. It was sort of a little secret nobody talked about. And things developed. Um, My Aunt Louise ended up passing, and she ended up on my altar. And she has been, Caroline and my Aunt have been, really the most amazing guide for this process for me. And one of the things that's certainly a challenge is there is no formula. We can try a lot of different things. Here it's attached to objects, to locations. They can be called to teach you, to dreams, through in presence. And so trying to figure out the different ways in which we can build those connections has been an important element of trying to break down what I know to do and what I learned personally so that I can teach my students a variety of ways to try things. So the most important thing that I learned is spirits communicate with us differently. Not everybody communicates in the exact same way. And that mm-hmm. I think, is an important thing to let anyone know who's trying that I have students who only communicate via dreams. I have students mm-hmm. who can hear, but they can't see. Those who can sense, but neither really see nor hear. And it's okay to find your method of communication and not to assume that if, You know, they don't wake you up in the middle of the night and throw you out of bed. But you've not had an experience, and those experiences vary from person to person.
1: So, uh, two things, Um, Lara. People are in the chat log. I don't know if you in the chat room, rather. I don't know if you can see it, but people are saying your voice is very soft. Um, So, could you speak louder? We're having trouble hearing you. Um, and number two, let's bring Ali. Let's bring Ali in on this. And Ali, uh, what do you have to say about communicating with ancestors?
3: Well, I think um, how you connect with your ancestors. I agree with Laura, that how you connect with your ancestors in spirit is going to vary from person to person. Um, I think your own innate abilities are going to play a role in this. Uh, you know. Uh, are you clairvoyant? You'll see them. Are you clairaudient? You'll hear them. Some people don't see or hear. Some people smell. You know, they smell certain. Oh, I smell a certain brand of tobacco. I know my grandmother is near, or my grandfather is near, or I smell roses. So there's a variety of different ways that you will connect to spirit. The key here is a two-step kind of process. First is to kind of sort out your own cosmology. Where are the where do the ancestors exist in your spirituality? So, for example, um, in in hoodoo, what we see is a fusion of African cosmology with Christianity. And this isn't something that just happened in the Americas. Uh, we see Christianity being absorbed in Africa itself. In, for example, St. Anthony mm-hmm. becomes a very famous figure that is Africanized uh, in a variety of different places in Angola and West Africa, etc. But what we do find in Hudu is this concept of spirit. And I use the word spirit here as with a capital S. It is an amorphous sort of fluid power that is connected to God, and it is the sort of force by which uh, the ancestors become a part of. When the ancestors die, they become spirit, the sort of individual personality or faith of spirit. And so, what you find in many households, this was manifested in an actual space for the ancestors. More often than not, it was not called an altar. This is sort of an anthropological term we use to describe it. Uh, and this space was generally found in the living room, some type of living space, or near the front door as you were walking out. And it's generally just a table, sometimes a glass uh, bookcase. Uh, a glass case with shells on it. That was one that I saw a lot uh, with a family Bible, pictures, heirlooms, and many of them had statues of like little angels. Uh, I saw quite a bit of that while I was growing up, particularly in Virginia Mm -hmm. and Conjuring. And this is where you would pray. You would call both on God and the people that came before you. So the ancestors were connected to God via spirit, and they were prayed to almost in the same breath that you would pray to God. We call on God and our ancestors to look out for us, to keep little Timmy mm-hmm. safe as he goes to the school and so on and so forth. And that's the tradition that I saw in Virginian country. Now, my own family tradition has a pretty uh, unique ancestral uh, tradition. It's not common in the Middle East. Ancestor worship is only found in sort of Sufi circles uh, in which uh, certain unique individuals are viewed as peers or, or sheikhs, or have uh, some type of intercession power, but they're, it's relatively rare uh, in kind of orthodox traditions, both in Christianity, Islam, um, and in, in the Middle East. But my family does have it. They have some strong Sufi inclinations. One of my ancestors is a folk saint, so growing up, he was one of the first ancestors I worked with uh, and developed a relationship. And that's the second part of this, is one, for, sort your cosmology, The second aspect of it is then work at this regularly. It's literally building a relationship. Don't expect to set up a table, light a candle, and they're just going to show up. That may happen for some people, but for most people, it's like meeting someone new. You're going to light candles. You're going to spend some weeks with them, some months, before you start to really develop a connection. And it's about regularity and consistency. You build that relationship over time. And once you do, it becomes probably one of the most stable uh, and enduring parts of root work and your spirituality. In fact, for many root workers, it becomes the base and core of much of the work that they do. If they come across a troublesome spirit, if they come across a trickster spirit, who do they turn to? They turn to the ancestors. So it's a very worthwhile and rewarding relationship, but one that does take time. So sort your cosmology and then build at the relationship bit by bit
1: Yeah, I I uh, have to uh, throw in something here about ancestors And um, my ancestors And also um, an experience I had with an ancestral reading um, So I, I paid for uh, in trade an ancestral reading And the result was interesting to me because the person um, focused in on my father's family, who were basically unknown people, and um, claimed uh, and said that they were religious and might have been clerics. Now, I knew my mother's family were, I mean, you know, as they say, it's rabbis all the way down. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a family of rabbis. Um, Going back to the beginning of recorded rabbis i guess (laughs) so so i was not surprised that my mother's family would have had clerics but i was surprised when the reader said that my ancestor my father's side that was contacted was a cleric and i thought well what were they and i realized that they were all anarchists and atheists and i i kind of almost poo-pooed it and i said you know Dude, you know you're so wrong. My family, on my father's side, they are literally anarchists, like Sacco and Vansetti, You know, anarchists, right? And atheists. And and my grandfather was say, well, I'll never set foot in a Catholic church, never. I mean, you know, so said they were anarchists and atheists, and I thought they can't could possibly have been clerics. Well, I had had my DNA done, but in the day they they didn't weren't able to identify. They said 50% of my DNA was literally uncategorizable. They could not find it out. Well, years went by, years went by, and I was like, I don't get that. What's that missing cleric? And then suddenly the DNA came. They got more data points, more people, and they said, oh, and by the way, your father's family are Sephardic Jews. And I went, oh, more rabbis. (laughs) And I kind of got it. Um, The reason they were so... um, Anti and and atheistic was they were part of that horrible conversion experience that happened when Spain and Portugal and all kicked out the Jews and they made this mass forced conversion in Sicily and it was really bad for them. But I realized that the guy who read my ancestors had been correct. I just wasn't ready to hear it at that moment. Oh. Be- you know, I was like, I had my preconception. They're going to be an- mm. atheists and anarchists all the way back. No. They no they were Sephardic Jews, and mm. so, um, and I presume one of them was a cleric because why not i mean i I believe that I've never been able to really connect with them, didn't know my father very well, but mm. the other ancestors the um the rabbinical ancestors it's become like a joke, I mean, you know. Uh, A minion? No, it's like a a freaking crowd. It's like I have so many rabbi (laughs) ancestors, and I sometimes think, you know, am I just, you know, yeah, I'm just the hippie, you know, expression of whatever that spirituality is that just sits around and studies and learns and teaches and does what it does Mm -hmm. and, and worships. We are very much the product of our ancestors, and I tell everybody under the sound of my voice, get your DNA tested. Get your DNA tested, and I'm going to tell it one Mm -hmm. more time because what I tell you three times is true. Get your DNA tested. Find out who your ancestors are. It's all very well to say, you know, I'm a descendant of Cleopatra. Find out. (laughs) You may be a descendant of Cleopatra. No lie, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs)
3: <laughs> That's so well said. I should say too, like everyone, whenever they, they do ancestor work, they're looking for the heroic ancestors, right? Oh, my ancestor was Alexander the Great. And it's the same thing kind of with past lives. Mm-hmm. I was a high priest of uh, of Atlantis. No one wants mm-hmm. to talk about the potato farmer. No one right. wants to talk about the sheep herder, but guess what? Right. Those ancestors are there in your line, and those ancestors are as equally powerful and 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 come with blessings as the heroic ancestors that you imagine. So be open to who you're going to connect to. be open to who's in your path and recognize and value their wisdom for for what it is uh, and don't don't go in there with this idea that you need to have some connection to some great whatever in the past that ordinary right. people are powerful because it's a long line of ordinary people, collective wisdom over thousands upon thousands of years.
1: Right. And that that is so true. I mean, I'll tell you, you know, you know, Rabbi so and so, the A B D of Przelutsky in <laughs> Ukraine is you know, he's a rabbi, but you know, I mean it's not like we're not talking about Charlemagne here. You know. So um, know and love your ancestors is what I say. Yes. It's very important to have a have that connection. I also recommend that you actually think about it realistically. You mentioned cosplay earlier, Ali, and this mm-hmm. is something that's so important. Now with DNA, it's less of a of a trouble. But when I was young, there were a lot of people telling me, "Oh, my ancestors this, my ancestors that," but to me, it was a fantasy. And when I would say, "But what did your grandmother do?" they go, "Well, i don't know you know and i and i I feel like you should get the genealogy together." There are websites like genie, G-E-N-I, dot com, com. Look up, see if your ancestors are there. If they're not, put your family tree on. Keep going backwards, just slowly backwards. Eventually, you'll get connected to other people who've put their family trees on. There's millions of people in one giant interconnected human race family tree. Mm-hmm. And um, you're not who you think you are. By Just by blood relation, you may be... Uh, connected to people who you know nothing about, and it's it's mm. you know very interesting. Of course, DNA tells may tell a different story. Someone may have cheated, but um, when when searching for your ancestors, yeah, don't just look for the glory. Um, look for yeah. you know what did the wife of you know Rabbi Caro do? You know who knows? Yeah. You know, we may find out. And there is those people who. Um, want to build themselves up, you know, I'm sure we've all seen enough YouTube videos. Those people who want to build themselves up with the purity of their (laughs) whatever lineage um, are going to be in for a mighty surprise and may need to sit down a moment and think Mm -hmm. about inviting all the ancestors. Start inviting Mm -hmm. all of them. In my case, you find out that some of them appear more than once. Well, I'm also, yeah, I'm your, your great 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 uncle, but I'm also your great 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 grandfather. Surprise, <laughs> because a couple, because a couple of cousins married each other. Um, one of and the they have, things that,
2: one of
4: the things that my students often ask is if we don't know our ancestors and we'd like to connect with them. What are some of the ways that we can begin that process of getting to know them if we don't have a name or a birthplace or a birth date?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you recommend?
4: What I suggest to them is to attempt to connect with those ancestors they do know about, but if they are truly adopted and simply have no access to that information, I suggest trying to combine divination, such as tarot readings, with their reading, with their ancestor altars, and pick three cards and set those cards out with your altar and get a sense from those cards what that individual might be like. I've been using that same methodology to help students figure out their clients, such as what their astrological sign is, what their language Mm -hmm. of love is, what their Myers-Briggs personality type is. Mm -hmm. And we can use that same methodology to try and get a feel for these ancestors whose names we don't know.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. That's a really interesting thing you mentioned about zodiac sign. Um, There is something in um, astrology, which we, we sometimes call inheritable or genetic astrology, Certain aspects will appear, planetary aspects, certain signs will appear over and over in a family, and they are very specific to that family, whatever those uh, astrological notations are. And one of the ways that I have found to connect with unknown ancestors is to consider those things that are known, you know, hair color, eye color, that sort of, unless you're a very mixed Person you'll have some sort of a pattern that you'll see and ask for you know that to be visualized to you and i for instance, in my family, a lot of Gemini action in my family and um although I'm not one myself, I'm a Taurus, but I have Gemini rising, so I just ask for those who will speak, come speak you know um, it's a it's a very important thing for those who are orphans to try mm. to find ancestors. Um there's a, a a gap there, something missing. Start with your DNA, of course. But um you may never know their names, but they will show up. They will appear. Um um mm-hmm. and, and a wonderful friend of mine, um Miss Robin York. She's Miss Robin at air. She can see spirits and um and she is amazing at seeing ancestors literally behind someone's shoulder, peeping over, looking behind them. And mm-hmm. um and these are not always good, they're not always bad, but she can say, Oh my gosh, this person has a spirit of such and such or there's a spirit of that and she can see it. She's a gifted visual medium. If you want that, you have to go to her in person. She doesn't do it over the Internet.
2: Mm.
4: One of the things I can mention is you can set out dolls that are Mm -hmm. perhaps ethnically appropriate or that are invocative of the kind of help that you're looking for, and that may create a connection. I found that there's certainly um, an interest in and joining with a doll if it is something that is pleasing to an mm-hmm. ancestor,
2: mhm
1: yeah that's a that, and there's another thing too I have found uh, this kind of goes into another thing which is psychometry um, mm. and um psychometry is the ability to read um objects or photos, something has been touched by someone, or in the case of a photo where the light has touched them and bounced back. Um, I have had very interesting experiences contacting ancestors through objects that, I, that were left in my family. Um, you, can, you can actually hear them talk. I know, for instance, mm-hmm. what Max Joseph Cohn sounded like. I know what he was like because we ate off his dinnerware. At fancy occasions. And we had his silverware, and we had the candlesticks, and we had the beautiful um, dinnerware with his uh, monogram on it, which we only brought out for, you know, holidays. And and there was one particular platter. It was an oval platter, very large oval platter. And I remember when I was a child, when this first appeared in our household, it wasn't when I was young. It came through a death in the family, and my mother got this, Dinnerware, and I touched that platter, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, there's this guy." <laughs> and it was like, and oh. and it was Max Joseph Cohn. yeah. And I always felt it. I always felt it whenever I would set that tableware. I knew he was there.
3: Mm. Uh, you know, again, I tell clients if they're interested in connecting with their ancestors, that it's a, it is a, it's a process. You start out by setting up that space, and you call out to all ancestors who are willing to, to work with you and to show up. And then you offer. You offer water. You offer candles. And you continue to offer prayers. And slowly you'll start to get a very clear mm-hmm. understanding that, ah, oh, maybe I should be putting tea out. Maybe I should put a coffee out. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. roses. And you'll, know, you'll say, oh, mm, I smell roses. Okay, they want to put roses out. Or you'll see roses in your mind. Um, or you'll dream of them. Dreams is another way that ancestors come very strongly. So I tell people when they're doing ancestor work to keep a dream diary with them, to keep it very methodical every morning, write down what you see, and that can help to build the communication, build the, the contact with spirit. And what starts off as sort of vague, amorphous, will become individual. You'll start to know, oh, okay, I have a, I'm have feeling someone who's masculine, who's male, or I'm feeling a female. I see the image of a nurse. This is how you'll start to develop uh, a connection to individual ancestors, even if you don't have a detailed family tree or a detailed understanding of who's who. You start by kind of working, and, and it's kind of like polishing a mirror. You just keep polishing that mirror until you can start to see clearly. And you keep working at it. And sometimes you may feel like you're hearing nothing. That's okay. You push through that until you finally get the communication that you want. And keep yourself open and receptive. Keep your eye open for dr- for dreams. Uh, keep Be mindful of signs and omens. Be mindful of phantom images, sounds, smells, feelings, impressions. Keep a detailed record of all that, and that will help to build the communication.
1: That's an excellent point. Go go ahead, Lara. Go ahead.
3: I wanted
4: to actually bring it back to the point of um, meditation as a practice, allowing Mm -hmm. yourself to sit in silence, to listen to your own inner thoughts and to the thoughts of spirits, really gets easier and we get more practice at it. When we have a regular practice of meditation, whether it's empty mind meditation or whether it's even guided meditation, this can be a really good way to get out of our heads and hear things that are perhaps not as
1: clear as the, you know, sirens down our street. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to go to another possibility here, another idea. We've been talking about getting in touch with ancestors and offerings made to ancestors, how to see them, how to divine them, how to recognize them visually by smell, through psychometry, and um, by other means, including dreams. But there's also the idea that your ancestors will help you. Your ancestors will um, protect you against um, other spirits and against evil people. Your ancestors want you to succeed. If you need to get a raise in order to have enough money to propose marriage, your ancestors will see you get the raise because they want you to propose marriage, because they want you to have children, because, hey, they're your ancestors. So ancestors are associated with, and we should never forget their association with, two major forms of root work. Number one Fertility, love, marriage, and number two is the idea that they are protective. But the fertility, love, marriage, although that may be the major thrust of it, it includes everything, love, money. The, pretty much the only thing your ancestors will not do for you is to um, keep you depressed. If you're getting depressed thinking about your ancestors, it's probably not your ancestors because your ancestors enjoy your life. And they may have had a depressing life themselves, but if you end up, you know, on a downhill slide mentally, I would, and people, I've heard people say, well, my ancestors, you know, I'm just so depressed. I'm like, no, that's probably a trickster impersonating your ancestors because as my, um, as my late friend Mark Perkel said you are the result of millions of years of fucking and um that is to be honored and that
2: is
1: <laughs> well it's true
2: <laughs> and that is to be
1: that is to be honored and your ancestors definitely um don't want to be uh disappeared mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I
3: think Absolutely. you bring up a really important important point there, too, is that your first line of defense is your ancestors. I always tell people who are interested in doing, um, uh, you know, root work or, or hoodoo or start off a spiritual practice that your best bet is to first start with your ancestors. Those are the spirits most likely and willing to respond to you before you reach out to any other spirit or any other type of connection they 're also your first line of defense they 're the 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 entities that will protect you that will guard you that will shield you if you are facing troublesome spirits you're facing some type of attack if you 're facing crossed conditions, you can turn to your ancestors um You know, you can turn to the people who have a vested interest in your success. So in terms of protection work, like when I do uh, work for clients who've been crossed or under assault magically uh, and spiritually from some type of worker, I always tell them that we'll do cleansing work, uncrossing work, and then the protection work must include some type of ancestor work, invoking the ancestors, to come in and act as active defense for that person going forward. That strong yeah. connection will deal with most ordinary evil eye stuff, most ordinary cross condition stuff, and you can, as long as you maintain a good relationship with them, they will act as the bulwark against darkness, cruelty, etc.
1: So Angela L. asked a question in the chat room and I think she was responding to my comment about depression, and she said, could it just be a bad ancestor? And I said, we're going to get to that in a minute, and that's a really good idea.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and Dr. Sweet just asked, how would one work with an ancestor mother who had Munchausen by proxy syndrome and screwed up her child? Okay, both of these kind of go to the same area. In studying African religions, and remember, when studying African religions, we're studying religion that has had many more thousands of years of practice with ancestor veneration as a baseline of religious thought, and has had many more thousands of practitioners. It is very common for African um, people in African traditional religions, and I'm not talking about diasporic now, just traditional African religions, to tell you, oh no, that person was so bad, he's not an ancestor. In other words, just because somebody lived and donated DNA, they don't qualify to be an ancestor if they weren't righteous, upright, true, just, a good influence, and and careful, and also wanting to be of help. That drunk uncle who molested, you know, little so and so, that drunk uncle is dead, but he ain't an ancestor. You don't have to accept as ancestors, all the ne'er do wells, murderers, pedophiles, autocrats, soldier killers, whatever—you don't—they don't have to be—you—they don't have to be your ancestors, because if you really look into this tradition that has been going on for thousands of years, no need to reinvent the wheel. But you can do something that is sometimes recommended, and that is called elevating your ancestors. So, Ali, I know you know about elevating your ancestors, right?
3: Yeah. Elevation of ancestors is found a lot in, in these traditions. And you're very right. Who you call your ancestors is important here. The ancestors is, is your extended spiritual family. Right? That it, the key here is who you consider your family in the same way that not all your family members are going to be good and noble and righteous enough, you know, in your life, and some of those people you cut out, you don't consider family. The same is mm-hmm. the case with ancestors. You can, however, and then we should dis- we should differentiate between those that are truly uh, we could say evil, right? People who are rapists and murderers and violent and vile and whatnot. And that notion of a sort of evil ancestor is found in all sorts of African diasporic traditions. It comes directly from the African tradition. Even the the arrival of Europeans was viewed uh, during colonialism was viewed as the arrival of bad ancestors, cannibalistic bad ancestors. Uh, there's a really great book about that. Um, you know, so Or even in the Virginian conjure tradition. The Virginian conjure tradition states that when a person passes away for the first two weeks, if you hear them call your name, don't respond because they haven't quite yet reach that elevated state as an ancestor yet. They're still in a weird limbo and you don't want to answer the call because you then either uh, don't allow them to elevate or they call you into the afterlife. So there's mm-hmm. this whole tradition in Virginian Conjure. For the first two weeks when someone mm-hmm. passes away, you don't answer them if you hear them. Similarly, if, uh, if, if a mother passes away and she's survived by babies, you are to pass the baby over the grave to say Don't fuss with the baby Don't bother the baby It's time for you to rest and elevate And we did a lot of this type of work In uh, uh, Virginian Conjure There's a, there's notions of ghost laying For ra- restless ghosts and restless ancestors But also for those that Aren't evil but may have Bad characteristics They may be an alcoholic They may have uh, mental health issues Or they may have certain qualities That you may not want to draw into your life and that's where you would work for elevation. You would ask nothing of that ancestor and instead offer them cool water, candles, and prayers, asking that they be at peace, asking that they see the light, asking that they are risen up or that they are healed. This type of elevation of ancestors and healing of ancestors is a reminder that ancestral work is not just about take, take, take. What can you give me, ancestors? But also what can you give back to the ancestors, and one of the things you can give back is helping to elevate those ancestors that need it, helping them to rise up from their sort of uh, flaws, pitfalls, pains, and sufferings in life, uh, and, and to kind of leave those behind as they enter into kind of elevated ancestor state. This is
1: That's
4: an a, interesting. Th- po- Go ahead. This is an interesting point, um, and for those of our listeners perhaps who are not coming from an African DNA background, there's some similar thoughts coming out of German and Scandinavian practices about how to work with ancestors who have come down through our erlog that can be elevated in the same manner. So it's, it's something that anybody has access to.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, in, in doing ancestor elevation, um, there are several traditions, one of which is the Alan Kardec spiritual tradition, which has become very popular and spread very widely, in which you physically build a ladder or a pile of bricks or a pile of books that every day goes upward, and um, it is and you play... Music that the ancestor would have enjoyed that's but that's elevating music, and it's really a service that you're doing for the ancestor. I would also say that if you have an ancestor who died alcoholic, don't put whiskey as an offering right if, yeah. if, you know we've we've seen the result of that a few times it doesn't work well um and if you have an ancestor who died. Sadly, in other words, a maybe a woman who died in childbirth, as Ali was mentioning um the the common thing is to keep that ancestor at peace, but not too close because they might snatch the baby right, right. and right. having
4: good psychic self defense practices, certainly beyond mm-hmm. Fortune's book is excellent. That's always a good practice, and I, I pretty much start everybody off with, you know, one or two books on that topic.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And what books? I like Dion Fortunes,
0: mm-hmm. and
4: for anybody who is young, there is a really readable version called Magical Self-Defense by Kerr Kukuin, who is Wiccan. Um, he's a police officer. He was an Air Force, Army, that um, as well as on um, the SWAT team, so he brings it very much into our real world situations.
1: Hmm. Okay, Kerr Cooklin. I don't know how to spell it, but I'll try. All right, it's we're all we, uh, <laughs> we're going to turn this over to our Legion of Substitute Papa Newts and see who comes jumping <laughs> out of the barrel. <laughs>
0: Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at LuckyMojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners, located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at CrystalSilenceLeague.com. Org. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our next client. And our next client is a return caller from Georgia, Claire, who is calling from area code 678. Claire, are you there?
2: I'm here. Great.
0: Thank you very much for trusting us with uh, our handling of your case. I noticed that on your sign-up, you indicated that you had not got a reading from anyone else about your situation. Is that true? True. Okay. And Claire writes, I've been trying to release my attachment to my youngest daughter's father for some time now. She is one, and we've moved from the state he is in. I believe there can be no good in the future from him in her life or mine. I would like some advice on a clearing of his energy from mine and maybe an outlook on future love for me. It has been very difficult separating myself from him, and I've never felt this level of hurt and attachment. Thank you. Ms. Kemp.:
1: All right, Claire. Um, may I ask a couple of questions before we start the reading? Sure. Um, okay. So um, question number one, what sign of the Zodiac are you?
2: I am a Virgo, Libra moon, and Scorpio rising. Okay.
1: Well, you know your stuff. Um, mm. I will say that it's hard for um, Virgos to fall in love easily. And when they do, it's it. it if it breaks, then they're kind of like, "What do I do for the rest of my life?" Um, it is not well. Virgo is the virgin, and they tend to be a bit shy, a bit reserved, and it's very difficult for Virgos to just, "Oh well, I'm going back in the Dayton pool, and I'm going to just pick up the first guy and screw his brains out, and then we'll live happily ever after."
2: That's just not. That's not the Virgo way, you know. No, it had been like three years before um, I met. Him that I had been really Involved with anybody
1: Yeah so um, And then the other Thing is I'd like to know what is The man's
2: sign He's a Scorpio Mm -hmm. So
1: He uh, connected with your Scorpio rising at least by sign And -hmm. that's interesting Because that's a strong Link and it makes You take on a little bit more of that energy. Um, mm-hmm. Now, when you say you think you don't want to be around him at all anymore, did he do, and you don't have to give me details, but did he do anything that would be bad from a standpoint of criminality, or was it just, I just wanted my child to myself and I don't want to be around him? Like I said, no details necessary,
2: but how bad mm-hmm. was he? Um at one point he did do something to the bad uh, to the point of criminality, and but it I mean it wasn't mm-hmm. ongoing um mm-hmm. but just uh his energy has mm-hmm. pretty much drained me mm-hmm. and brought okay. me brought a lot out of me that was not good,
1: yeah, all right, all right, well, I'm going to do a three card reading now. And I'm just going to put out three tarot cards. The first card I have is called the Nine of Wands. And this is a man leaning on a stick or wand, and behind him are eight wands upright. They might be forming a protective palisade fence, but he doesn't look at it that way. He has a worried look and thinks he's going to get hit again. He has a bandage on his head, which indicates that he has been knocked over the head, And he's got a very wary look on his face, looking over his shoulder, like hoping to not have something else come at him.
2: This Mm -hmm. is called the
1: card of PTSD. So you were definitely damaged by this man. And um, Mm -hmm. it is a card that, that tells me you're not making it up and you're being subtle when you tell me what happened. But there was damage, and it was damaging to your mind. It was damaging to you. Um, possibly economically, physically, spiritually, about every way that it could be damaging. And this is a problem because y- here you are looking over your right shoulder, scared like, oh, no, what next? So there's a lack of trust of the future. There's a, certainly a lack of trust of him. And and there's a a bit of a problem here because you're also not thinking straight. Cutting and clearing from him should be the easiest thing in the world, but you're right. still you're still holding your wand, you're still thinking this is you're you're flashbacking into the situation, and this is not a great place for you to be in it's not it's a difficult card, and it's in a difficult place card number one. Card number two is a card of anxiety and depression and insomnia. And this is the Nine of Swords. We went from the Nine of Wands to the Nine of Swords. And this shows a woman waking up crying alone in a single bed, a narrow bed. And we know what she dreamed because carved on the side of her bed is a a scene, a tableau of one person with a sword stabbing another through the heart and that person falling back as if dying. And in the sky, Nine swords. I think this guy may have really damaged you in in a lot of ways. The woman could wake up and take her hands away from her eyes and she would see a beautiful quilt with red roses, embroidered on it, and all the signs of the zodiac but it's so hard to tell her. Wake up, wake up. It's only a nightmare. It's not real. So you are still very much in this and The question was, how do I get out of it? And I'm looking at this. You may have to deal with treating depression because this card, Nine of Swords, can mean depression and sleeplessness. I tell people, don't take anything for insomnia that's not natural because that really messes with your mind. But if you have depression, you might need to see somebody about it. If you feel anxious a lot... You have been damaged. There's no question about this. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you or that you're going to have to stay, you know, on drugs for the rest of your life. But there's something here that needs remediation because you really are um, in a very sad, sad condition. It's not good. And um, the third card is a card that is a, uh, a hopeful card. And that is a card of optimism. It is the Queen of Wands. So the Queen of Wands is a woman on a throne. She has a throne carved in the form of lions, and in front of her is a black cat. So the lions uh, go with the golden sands and the pyramids that are in the card. The black cat goes with the silver sands of the Sahara Desert. And she works by day and by night, by lion, by cat. But she's very protective of herself, the cat is hissing like a little Halloween cat, and she also is optimistic. So first, protect yourself. I think this guy is invading your life, like a kind of a. Um, there's he's still he's infesting you is what I'm seeing here. He's infesting you, especially at night. You're going to need protection at night, so that your dreams and your sleep become less disturbed, better, and then you're going to want the sunflower of optimism. She holds a sunflower instead of a scepter. She has herb uh, in her crown. It might be something like St. John's wort, which is used as a natural cure for depression. That is a yellow flower, very beautiful flower. St. John's wort oil or tincture, very good. Often recommended with Mm -hmm. this card. This is a woman who is brave and courageous. You can do well. And I would seek out people who live on the sunny side of life. You might in fact, enjoy hanging out with people who are fire signs. And mm. um, th- there's, you know, the Leos, the Sagittarians, and the Aries, all of whom are optimists and face the future brilliantly. So that is mm. what I see for you. Let's uh, turn this over. Um, I guess we're going to turn it over to uh, Lara.
4: All right. Thank you very much. I'm sorry that you went through that Um I pray that things will get better for you in the short term. When I pulled my cards, what I asked was, what additional advice can I give this woman rather than just repeat what Kat had said? And interestingly enough, I pulled the nine of wands as well. So oh definitely in the same mindset as to how significant the situation is, was to you. Mm -hmm. The second card I pulled was the Page of Swords. And I always read that card as the, I have an idea. And that says to me that trying to find a path through this intellectually to try and come up above whatever that emotions are and recognize that There are things that you can do to move forward, that it's not just about waiting to feel better, waiting for his energy to dissipate. There are actions you can take. If we have the right set of suggestions, which I believe we have, this should give you a chance to really step forward with that. And I pulled a similar positive card. I pulled the Wheel of Fortune And from that, I would suggest specifically, since you do seem to be quite comfortable with astrology, that you um, do that on your next prospective individual coming into your life and, uh, you know, using that as a path for figuring out if they're a good fit for
2: you.
1: Mm -hmm. That's a really good call, Lara. That's really wise. And the wheel of fortune shows the four fixed signs of the zodiac all around the wheel, and that is really a good thing. Get the next person's chart
2: done. What a smart idea okay.
1: that was. I like that a lot. I
2: tried to do it. I tried to do it with him several times, but he never gave me. He never gave me his birth date and time. He said he couldn't get it from his mom. I tried to do it a lot of times.
4: That might have well, been indicative of squirrely behavior that might have been. Uh, kind of a a clue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Clue, clue yeah. number one. Clue number one. <laughs> if you can't do the guy's chart, don't do the guy.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, let's turn this over to Conjurman Ali and see what he has to say.
3: Yeah, I think you've you've gotten some fantastic readings here. It's, it's interesting that. Um, Ms. Kat said that fire signs are something you should be seeking out well I always, even if I'm doing a, a consultation, I always cast a chart or pull cards just to see where things are, it helps guide the root work that I give, uh, the judge for, for your uh, geomantic chart here is Fortuna Minor, Fortuna Minor is ruled by the sun and specifically it's Leo, so that's the fire sign she was talking about right there showing up very overtly. But it's also an indication here that I can give you some root work. You may need some outside help. So I consider uh, my recommendation would be that in addition to what I give you here, Seek out a consultation with a root worker from AIR who you can take on as a sort of magical coach or someone that, that can work through this with you, who can give you some consultations, who can give you some readings going forward. So develop a relationship with a with a root worker. I think outside help is going to be useful. So here's what I want you to do first. Get yourself some Jinx Killer Incense. Place this in some type of sensor, heat proof dish, something that will allow you to move around your house. That nine of swords, um, I think Miss Cat saw, right? Was that nine of swords, Cat? Yes, uh huh. Yeah, that nine Absolutely. of swords. That's very air associated, and it's also something. I mean, she said something that kind of made my my little goosebumps and you just you you know you could tell when someone's really picking up on on the psychic vibe here that he's got some connection there he's able to kind of link to the mind to the heart and that needs to be broken and this incense will help to do that there's something about him that's lingering still in the air um you know this is very parasitic if he was a if he had any inclination towards spirit work uh, we would be saying that he's hag-riding or ghost-walking or dream-walking of some sort. So this, this jinx killer incense will help break that. Make sure that you smoke the entire house, every sort of nook and cranny, every corner. Make sure the incense goes everywhere. As the incense uh, is, dies down, take some type of uh, dish and place it over the uh, bowl thermal sensor if it's got a top place it on top and then set that by your door what you're then going to do is you're going to take a bath what I want you to do is get some basil rue salt agrimony brew this into a tea add a few drops of Florida water it'll make it nice and kind of cloudy and milky stir it together and wash yourself from head to toe. Wash yourself from head to toe. And as you do so, pray from your heart. Oh, Lord, cleanse me of any negative connections, any connections that this man may have to me. Cleanse and purify me. Remove all of these negative hold that is over my life, my mind, my heart, etc. Gather the used bath water. Don't let it all go down the drain. Gather a bit of the used bath water and let yourself air dry as you are air-drying, I want you to take a brand-new knife, and I want you to lightly kind of trace around your body. You don't have to touch your skin. What you're doing is you're cutting away any sort of energetic link. And, again, this is this is kind of reversing that nine of wands, right, taking the uh, the nine of swords, I'm sorry, taking the swords and making them rather than something something attacking you into something that is protecting you. You're going to cut, 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 cut. You're going to cut all around you breaking the tie that this man may have over you you are then going to anoint as your air drying cell you're going to anoint this knife with fiery wall of protection and smoke it in fiery wall of protection incense as you recite Psalm 91 by this time you should be completely dry you are going to take the used bath water and the remaining ashes from the incense to a river Toss it over your left shoulder and walk away without looking back. When you return back home, take the knife that you have anointed and you have incensed and prayed over. Stab this into the dirt next to your house with the blade facing away. This will act as your fiery sword of protection. So that no evil can come your way. And that this man can no longer create any connections or attachments in your life. It is your talisman, your guardian, your protector. You will stab it in the ground and just keep it there. I sense that you will be able to break this connection. I will state very clearly, I don't think this man will go away entirely. He will remain some, I mean you have a child with him. That's just the reality of it. He will have some connection still. But what the root work will allow you to do is ensure that that connection has no hold over you, that it will not make you think of him, miss him. It will not make you feel hurt or pain or suffer. You will not suffer from that connection. It will no longer have influence over you. You will be able to move on. You could even run into him face-to-face, and it would be as if you ran into an acquaintance. Oh, hey, how you doing? Something along those yeah. lines. So this is what this root work will allow you to do. Now, the good news is that once this is gone, once I do sense that you're able to kind of break this hold, you will move on. You will move on, and I do sense mm-hmm. that it will be a fire sign that shows up in your life, likely a Leo, and that will help to really emotionally move you on. That's what I recommend here. We have a couple uh, seconds left. Let me see if uh, Miss Kat or Laura have anything to add to this.
1: Well, Lara wrote in the chat room, anoint your child's head with the fiery wall of protection. That's really good. Do you have anything else to add, Lara?
4: Just a point that I made that when getting every nook and cranny, make sure you open the closet doors, your kitchen cabinet doors, and the dressers mm-hmm. in your dressers.
2: Oh, okay. okay.
1: And I, wow. I have one other... Yeah, I, open all your doors. That's good. I have one other thing to add. If um you have any legal connection to him. uh, You need to um, actually put all of that legal work, which you can't burn it and get rid of it, but take all of that legal work and put it in a metal box and put that metal box somewhere far from where you sleep. Don't have it under your bed. Um, Just don't, any kind of legal connections to him Goes in a metal box. Any photo, anything. You know, the child needs to know who Daddy was. So keep put a photo in there in a metal box. Tie the metal box with black ribbon and put it far away from where you sleep. Okay? If you All want right. to add
4: a lodestone to the top of that, it will draw any work sent down into that space rather than
1: getting to you. Oh, good idea, yes. And if he sends anything, mm. it goes to the lodestone right over the metal box. Yes, ma'am. Lodestone decoy. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess we're going to be having our um, next segment, the network schedule announcement.
0: LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Condrum and Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6. Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays 4 to 5. And The Witch, the Priestess and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay. Fridays 6 to 7 all-time specific Add 3 Hours for Eastern Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California and online at luckymojo.com And now it's time for our free spell segment with Lyra Rivera of Cheshire House RI on Facebook in Providence Take it away, Lyra.
4: All right, thank you very much I'm going to actually give you the first altar setup that I did for my Aunt Carolyn Dye spell. This is also the one that I published on my eBay site when I was running Black Cat Root Shack, and it was really quite popular. So, we're going to start with setting out a white handkerchief for Dolly. We're going to take two white Sabbath candles or four inch spell candles. And we're going to anoint them with 7-Eleven holy oil or other blessing oil. Set both candles up on the square. Then we're going to light Nag Champa incense. Or if your ancestor has a preferred scent that you know of, that's an excellent choice as well. We'll set out a shot glass of water, a shot glass of whiskey, and a shot glass of coffee or your ancestor's preferred drink. Add a personal concern of the ancestor, their picture, a letter, a name in their birthday, their astrological chart, any other memento you might have. Then you're going to take a moment to pray your intention. You can do this silently or do this out loud, but really what you're doing is centering and focusing on what it is that you want to ask before you just blurt it out. Then we're going to light the candles and the incense, we're going to call out to our ancestors. We're going to use their full name and their relationship to you. Something like, Aunt Florence Lacer, I wish you would hear me. You are my aunt on my mother's side. I have not seen you in so long. I have missed you. I wish to speak of you. You have such advice that I need because you were someone who dealt with deaf children. And I have a child who has gone deaf and I need help and understanding. Please come and give me your support and advice. Once you've done that, you've told them why you want to speak to them, sit and listen. This is an important aspect. They may not pick up the phone on the first ring. They may not even pick it up on the first call. So be prepared to sit and listen in prayer for at least 15 minutes, and then thank them for listening and then go on your way without looking back. Obviously, you're going to look at the altar at a later time, but walk away from it out of that room, not looking back or watching it. And then you're going to let the incense and the candles finish burning. You can repeat this daily. If you find that you want to do it often, you can change out the four-inch candle spells to tea lights, Um, but anything that gets that setting of that space.
1: That's it. Wow, wow, that is a, a very good, incredibly uh, deep spiritualist uh, call to an ancestor. I the mm. only thing I would add is I was taught to knock three times when you call them, and and I was. Um, I'm also blocking taught... that. <laughs> You're blocking that because that story you told about that. Yeah, yeah, right. scared so, me so I was fast. just got to put it in. <laughs> and uh, and then the other thing that um, you said you might want to return to that altar, you might want to look at how the candles burned. And if there is a message in the candle wax, it's for you from that ancestor. I also was taught if you sit with us 15 minutes watching the candles burn, if they spark or crackle or pop, that means the spirit is trying to connect with you. You might not be able to hear them yet or understand their intention, but the the sparking or or uh, of the of the wick indicates that a spirit is trying to come through. How about you, Ollie? What do you... Um, think
3: about this i love this this way of working and i love the the way that you're building a a genuine connection here Uh, i love the idea of entreating them what is it you seek listen and wait patiently i'm i'm a big fan of listening and part of the, the i think the um thing that people miss out when it does ancestor work is you're going to spend more time listening than you are talking. (laughs) You're going to spend more time (laughs) listening in that silence because that's what will help you hear their voice, hear that connection. So I, I appreciate this, this working and I appreciate this, uh, approach because I think it's a great way to start building connection with ancestors, a great way to start building the connections with spirit and also developing your own abilities to hear. So important, if you want to develop that psychic ability, ancestor work is the way to start because it helps you to learn how to listen
1: and in the chat room, um Nagashiva wrote graveyard dirt, and this is brings another form together. You did this in a and what you 've taught here is in a straight spiritualist tradition with a white handkerchief or a white doily white altar. Um, in the kardecian thing is called mesa blanca a white table um, and that is one way to work there is another way to work which if you know the ancestor and can go to their grave and can get graveyard dirt some people will fill a little shallow like nine inch baking pan um, with graveyard dirt and they will put the four candles instead of two in the four corners and they may put um, a cup of water at the center and are actually calling on that it's what we call a private graveyard you're calling on that uh, spirit that way it's a different way to work It's neither one is better than the other um, one is definitely messier than the other but the um, there are um, people who prefer to work that way there are also people who love to work with photos I, I'm one of those people and I've seen altars set up for ancestors which contain uh, quite a collection of photos in um, in individual frames, perhaps easel frames, and also set up in a way that, that they kind of form like a little circle or half circle, rather I should say half circle or around the two candles. And um, there, some people would call this your spiritual court. And if you have a, a family groups of pictures of ancestors, then the ancestors you want to call, they're going to go at the center and all the other family members Who are uh, beloved will be around them. Those are just some of the ways that I've seen people work and um, report a great deal of success and satisfaction. So thank you, Lara. That's a that is basic ancestor work, and um, if you've never done it, try it. If you've never done it, try it because with the
4: graveyard dirt where you do the four candles. I've done that before when I've had grave dirt and I have made a crossroads in the yeah. center of that pan and then placed myself as a wax poppet at the crossroads
2: oh, to that's nice.
1: increase my ability to
2: interact.
1: Oh, that's nice. I like that, too. There's a million ways to do it. I've seen people put coins down in the graveyard dirt, too, and make a crossroads. All right. Well, we are coming to the end of the show, and so now the, um, the husband, more properly known as Not Papa Newt, <laughs> is going to read our closing announcements, and then we'll all come back at the end and say goodbye.
0: Thank you, Miss Kat and Conju and thank you, Lara Rivera of Cheshire House RI on Facebook and Providence for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers will once again be Lara Rivera, bringing us the second part of this three-part series on spirit connection on the topic of graveyard spirits. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo forum at forum.luckymojo.com. And you can find Conjurman Ollie at theconjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your guest announcer, Troll Towelhead, joining you from satanservice.org. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com forward slash radioshow.html. For all of us at at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in. Once again, next week at this same time, when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Good
3: night. Good night. Thank
0: you.